to uh, Philippians chapter 2. You may not think of this verse as kind of a Christmas verse, but you know, when we, uh, we look at Scripture, we find themes all the way woven through Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, and uh, you know, when we think of Christmas passages, well, there's the obvious ones that we think of in, in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke, and to you know, tell about, you know, the, the birth of Jesus and the shepherds and the wise men and, and the star and the angels and all those wonderful things are very, very familiar to us. But that's not where the, the story of what we call Christmas begins and ends. It began eons before the birth of Christ, and it continues on today, the story of Jesus and why he came to earth. And one of the things, especially in recent years, that uh, has been impressed upon me is that we have to see the life of Jesus as a whole. You know, if we separate it like this is just the time of Jesus' birth and this is just the time of Jesus, you know, we celebrate his death and resurrection and kind of compartmentalize those things. We lose so much of the depth and the gravity of what God did by sending his son to earth. And one thing that we have to always keep in mind that Jesus was born as a baby in Bethlehem, not so that we could have Santa Claus and reindeers and Christmas trees and presents, but that he might die for our sins. And you can't have one without the other. You know, the line from beginning to end is not a straight one and even in our own lives and we'll see some parallels here in scripture of how God works in our lives and how he worked and is working in the life of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 through 11 is kind of the end result of if you will the Christmas story that Jesus came to earth to be born as an infant but also that he might live among us and experience all of the things that you and I experience and even temptation and, and all the things. Scripture says that that Jesus was tempted in all ways as we are, yet without sin. And, uh, and all that culminated in his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead and his ascension into glory. And here, as Paul is writing the Philippian church, he's capturing just a, a, a glimpse of Jesus' glory in heaven, even as we are here right now. Philippians 2, verse 9, it says, Therefore, God has highly exalted him, Jesus, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now that's the culmination of all that we celebrate and all that we worship is this passage right here that Jesus is highly exalted over all life and earth and our lives as well. Now, that's the end result. How many know that uh, as we read the story of Jesus through the Gospels, there's not a straight line from birth to glorification, okay? Now, we like that. We like to see that, you know, in, in, in our own lives, you know, that uh, once we come to Christ, once we know Christ as our Savior and Lord, that's the end of our troubles. That's the end of our difficulties in this life. Wouldn't you like that to happen? I mean, wouldn't that be an easy way to convince people to follow Jesus, you know? It's like, accept Jesus as your Savior, Lord, and all your troubles will be over. <laughs> Who wouldn't sign up for that? And we know that that's not true. You know, here's there's difficulty in that realization. One of the misconceptions that I have had to deal with, and I still fall into it, kind of slip into this um, misunderstanding about the Christian faith and my own journey of faith, is that sometimes by fall, I, I begin to think of 
this idea that if I am in God's will, the road of faith will be an easy one, okay? And uh, I even kind of use it as a template for my life. I want it to be this way that I tend to judge whether or not I am in God's will or favored by him by how troubled I might be at any given moment. Have you ever wondered, you're going through a tough time, you're going through some pain, you're going through some difficulty. Have you ever wondered, have you ever even maybe doubted because of the pain you're in, because of the difficulty you're in, if God even loves you at all? Yeah, we've all been there, haven't we? It kind of goes like this. If God loved me, why am I experiencing the trouble I'm in, right? Or if God loved me, why would this result have happened? We don't like setbacks, do we? We think, you know, that if I am living in God's will, it's kind of a straight trajectory right to, you know, glorification and, you know, all the difficult things of life, you know. So we tend to think this way. My thought processes go, if I'm doing the will of God, I wouldn't be having difficulty. And it'd be a such easy way to know how we're doing. You know, we're running into a little trouble. Oh, we need to make some course correction here. You know, and then things will turn out better. You know, to some degree, that's true. When we come to knowledge of salvation in Christ Jesus, we begin to live in according to his his will and his way and his word and apply the word of God to our lives, there's a lot of trouble that we can avoid in life. Some of the things that the, the Bible admonishes us against doing and living in certain ways and certain lifestyles, we will avoid a lot of pain in life. There's so much pain in our lives that is unnecessary. But the same truth is, is that there's a lot of pain in our life that is unavoidable. And whether we're living in the will of God or not. And so, you know, we tend to think, you know, that uh, if I'm doing well, then, you know, I shouldn't be experiencing this kind of disappointment or difficulty in my life. We uh, heard the, the saying, you know, people say and perhaps have said it in my own life uh, more than once. You know, it's like, oh, you know, whether it was, you know, buying a house or buying a car or, you know, some big event in our lives. Uh, oh, we knew it was God's will because everything just fell into place. I mean, we tend to think that way. Oh, my goodness, it must be God because everything was easy. And that's kind of a larger outgrowth of, of where we are in this is that, you know, it's like if it's easy, it's God. If it's difficult, it's Satan. Okay. And the truth of the matter is, is it's not always that way. And sometimes we can even increase our discouragement expecting that, you know, life is going to be easy. Everything's just going to fall into place. We knew it was God because it was so easy. There are certainly times where that is maybe true, but it is not a probably a good tool to measure whether or not we're in God's will or not at any given moment. You know, the path of least resistance is always the most attractive one. Isn't that true? You know, it's like we want the easy path. We want the smooth road. We want the obvious direction. And, you know, we, we love it when it happens that way. The danger with this is, as we tend to develop the idea that if it is hard, then, then God doesn't want us to do it. Or if it is easy, then that's obviously what God wants us to do. And it's not necessarily true. Listen to the Apostle Paul, who will read in 2 Corinthians here, if you're taking notes or writing this down or looking up in your own Bible here today, 2 Corinthians 11. Listen to the Apostle Paul, whom the Lord used to write half of the New Testament. So, you know, if there, if there was ever a man who lived knowing something about being in the will of God, Paul would probably be on that short list, okay? And, and this is his own testimony. And understand what he's sharing is when he is in the exact center of the will of God. So here he's telling the Corinthians here, Corinthians 11:24. 24. 
He says, from the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Now, just take that for a moment. In the will of God, 40 stripes minus one. Now, I don't know about you, you know, it's about the uh, end of the first stripe. I'd probably be bailing. You know what I'm talking about? I don't think I'd like that very much. He says, five times this happened where I served 39 stripes from the Jew. Now, at what point in that experience would you say, oh, man, God must love me. God must love me. Yet here he is, the very center of God's will. If it's painful, it couldn't be from God, right? If it's you know pleasurable, then it must be from God. You see the, the danger of trying to measure where we are in the plan and the will of God by how we might feel in any given moment. But he goes on. Five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. All done in the will of God. So here we are seeing something that is a mystery to us with God. Is that sometimes God uses setbacks in our lives for his glory. Doesn't always feel good. It's not always the thing that we would easily choose. But nonetheless, God uses those setbacks in our lives. I don't know, you know, we could inject ourselves into Paul's testimony that he's sharing here. You know, floating around in the deep, clinging to a piece of wood or something from a ship that has been wrecked. And day and night, floating around in the deep, he describes, while God sends him to a new place uh, on the shore. Can you imagine what, what point in that experience, imagine yourself floating around in the ocean and, and wondering, you know, or just declaring, Oh, God, I can tell because I'm floating around here in the ocean. You must love me so much seems antithetical doesn't it and yet as i said in the very center of god's will and so as we look at scripture we see so many examples just as jesus was born in bethlehem as a baby it was not a straight trajectory to glorification in heaven it hasn't been for many of the figures of of scripture can you imagine king david anointed king by the high priest samuel they're anointed and prophesied over and said, you will be king of Israel. And from that moment, his life was in peril and in jeopardy as the then king Saul began to seek him to snuff out David's life. And David had to leave family. He had to leave home. He had to hide in the wilderness. He was under constant threat. Can you imagine, you know, when he's about, you know, it looks, looks like he's facing a, a situation to take his life. Can you imagine thinking, you know, I must be in the center of God's will because I just, everything is just so easy. Yeah, sometimes there's trouble, even in the will of God. Sometimes there's setbacks in our lives, even when we are following him. It goes on and on. We could, you know, if you turn to Hebrews 11, especially down near the end of the chapter, you will read of nameless heroes of faith that uh, the writer of Hebrews describes in ways that uh, they were looking for the promise of God, and yet they were destitute and starving and without clothing and, and uh, suffering and persecuted, and, and uh, some died in very cruel and difficult ways, yet in the will of God. 
So today when we, you know, announce it's Advent and, you know, the celebration of Jesus' birth in Bethlehem and we see these depictions of this baby born in a manger and, and we think, oh, this is so sweet and wonderful. We have to take it as a whole and begin to connect that with why he came. And that was to save us from our sin. And there were, if you will, setbacks in Jesus' life as well. He was not exempt so many things that he suffered as well. You know, Jesus began his public ministry. The crowds flocked to him, and they were described as multitudes, some beyond numbering. And, you know, they were just hanging on his every word. And, uh, you know, that, that could feel pretty good. It's like, you know what? I must be in the, in the will of God because everybody is thinking I'm pretty good. And yet there was a day where Jesus had to say some things, and it's, it was said in scriptures that this is a hard saying, and many followed him no more. The crowds left. There was a church split, if you will, all right? And I thought, you know what? What he's saying doesn't make sense to us, or we don't like what he's saying. We don't like the implications of what he's saying, and we aren't going to follow him anymore. And all of a sudden, there goes the crowds and the multitudes, and they leave. Kind of a setback. Jesus' life. There was conflict with the religious authorities. There was persecutions. And we know the story that Jesus eventually submitted to the will of the Father by being nailed to a cross to pay for our sin. And he died a cruel death on the cross, all while being in the very center of the will of God. So can you understand today, uh, the point I'm, I'm trying to highlight to us, is that we can't always, you know, judge whether or not we're in the will of God, or even whether God loves us or not, based on our present circumstances. Let me share this with you. The love of God is a constant. It's not a degree. It's not a thermometer. You know, it's like when you're being a really good guy, or you're being really generous, or you're doing, you know, all the right things, you know, that God says, hey, I really like you, and, and his love thermometer just goes way high on the scale. And then you're having a day, and, and maybe you just don't do very well. You disappoint even yourself. You're experiencing some difficulty and trouble, and all of a sudden you think that God must not love me. You know, God, if you love me, then, then why is this happening in my life? And we think, you know, that the thermometer of God's love goes way down. Let me, again, remind you, because I think you know this, is God loves you 100% on your very best day. But he also loves you 100% on your very worst day. Aren't you thankful for that? You know, um, it's not just us. It's not just Americans or, you know, modern humans or whatever. But, you know, in Gideon, if you know the story of Gideon, it takes place in the book of Judges, chapter 6. Gideon is hiding in a wine press because the Midianites, the arch enemies of, of Israel at that time, have once again invaded the land. They came at harvest time. You know, the Jewish people, they would, by their sweats and by their hard work, they would cultivate their crops in their fields and and just as the time they were coming into harvest and they would be able to gather all that harvest into their storage and barns and be able to survive through the winter in the lean months just about that time the Midianites would arrive they would take all their harvest and they would eat as much as they want and they would destroy the rest and they would burn it to the ground it was a very desperate time for israel and, and as you read in judges 6 of gideon hiding in this wine press he's found enough wheat to sift so that he can feed his family and, and as he's in the wine press an angel of the lord appears to him and says the most ironic thing he says hail thou mighty man of valor the lord is with you 
Gideon, like many of us, responds like, what? <laughs> what? He says the same thing. He says, if the Lord is with us, then what's Midian doing here? If the Lord is with us, then why have they, they burned all of our crops and stolen all that we have and moved into our houses and we're living in caves and rocks in the land and hoping they'll leave without finding us? What? The Lord is with us. Haven't you ever felt like that? <laughs> like, wow. If the Lord was with us, what would it look like if he wasn't with us? Setbacks. Setbacks. Let me maybe just share with you today, every setback in our lives is strategic with God. God doesn't waste setbacks. Not, you know, to God, it's not like, oh, wow, um, I'm so sorry that happened. Uh, we'll try to kind of fix things, kind of get back to where everything's easy, right? Get you back in God's will. No, you know, some of the setbacks that we experience in life are actually God's will. When Jesus was with his disciples after the feeding of the 5,000 there on the shore of, of the Sea of Galilee, it says very plainly in the gospel that Jesus compelled, and if you like King James English, it says he constrained them. In other words, you don't have a choice. Get in the boat. It's like, well, Jesus, can't we? No, get in the boat. Well, Jesus, you know, we're thinking maybe we can just can't. Get in the boat. Go, get in, get in, you know. You're not staying here. Get in the boat. And that was the beginning of the story where the boat that Jesus constrained his disciples to get into didn't give them any choice about whether they wanted to get in the boat or not. Just said, you're getting in the boat. And he sends them out on the Sea of Galilee, what, into the teeth of a storm that these seasoned fishermen were afraid of losing their lives. A setback. But it was Jesus who compelled them to go. It's like, can you imagine being in the boat? Say, thanks a lot, Jesus. And notice you stayed on the shore while we're out here in the boat. Can you imagine that? All in the plan and purpose of God. The setback. Because what happened? What happened in that storm? Do you remember? Yeah, Jesus came walking to them out on the water. And Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water. God taught them a lesson about trust even in the midst of a storm. It was a strategic setback. And every setback that we face in our lives, God can use in a strategic way to further our faith and trust in him as well as to accomplish the will of God. The experience of a setback rarely feels like a plan. How many know setbacks are setbacks because we don't expect them? Isn't that true? It's like you're driving home today after church, I'm not prophesying, and your car just explodes. Did you see that coming? Well, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Your car just quits. Midst of a snowstorm or whatever. And uh, we think, you know, ah, setback, difficulty. You know, it, it rarely feels like a plan. It never feels like, oh yeah, yeah, we expected this to happen. Why? Because we always try to avoid setbacks. So it's always a shock. It's disappointing. It's crushing. It's embarrassing. Sometimes it's a waste of time and money. And sometimes it's even dangerous, the setbacks that we face in life. And how could a setback possibly be a part of God's plan? Well, Jesus is the very example of how God uses strategic setbacks to accomplish his will. Now, we're going to go back to our opening text in uh, Philippians uh, chapter 2, except we're going to start a verse earlier. So if you want to find that, Philippians 2, verses 8 through 10, 11. It says this, and Paul is writing of Jesus here. It says, And being found in appearance as a man, here's the key, he humbled himself 
and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Jesus submitted to the will of God, even in a painful death, the death of the cross. Jesus humbled himself as God's will began to unfold. And I know it's difficult. You know, I'm, I'm not a pain person. I don't enjoy pain. Uh, I've said many times, you know, I don't mind dying. I just don't want it to hurt. You know what I'm talking about? But sometimes life is painful. And sometimes it's even in the plan of God. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Why do you have to become obedient? Because it was the Father's will. It wasn't easy, you know. Can you imagine Jesus, you know, coming out of the tomb and saying, oh, I knew it was God's will because it just all fell into place. It was all so easy, but it wasn't. And this is where we pick up where we started. And the therefore, when it's often said in Scripture, when there's a therefore, you should look what it's there for, okay? So being found in appearance of man, humbling himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross, therefore, because of that, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. So, as I've said, the trajectory from Jesus' birth to his glorification, it's not a straight line. There's a lot of ups and there's a lot of downs. And there's a lot of ups and there's a lot of downs. But eventually, the place where God the Father highly exalts Jesus with the name which above every name that every knee will bow to. So in this Christmas season, when we think about Jesus born as a baby in Bethlehem, don't just see it for that one event. See his life. See the conclusion Jesus was born so that he could pay for our sin. In this Christmas season, we can ask, what does this mean for us? And number one is this is that your setback can be the very means to God working something greater in you and for you and through you. Your setback won't be permanent. If we will submit ourselves to the will of God, and even in difficulty and the pain and the hardship of whatever that setback is, and say, God, uh, it's not revealed to me here, but I, I believe I'm in your will. Help me to navigate this in such a way as to bring you glory. Hard to do not saying I've mastered it. I'm not saying that I even look forward to it. But if we could change our orientation to understand that the will of God even includes the difficult times in our lives, I think that's a, that's a step of growth. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. There's a couple of scriptures here. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, Romans 8, that I want to read. In the way that Paul uh, writes about his setbacks. And this is how he describes it. He says, for our light affliction. Do you remember the guy that was talking about being beaten or stripes, you know, 40 stripes minus one, five times and uh, beaten with rods and stoned and persecuted and shipwrecks and all that? Remember that guy? Our light affliction. <laughs> That's how he describes it. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, here's the important part, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And he goes on to say in Romans 8, 18, he says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Is he describing some kind of straight line from salvation to glorification? No. <laughs> Light afflictions, sufferings, 
but those are not even to be compared with the glory that could be revealed in us. It's a perspective that's hard to keep. We're so in tune with, you know, our, ourselves and our bodies and our pain levels and all of those things. But he says, all of that trouble, all of those setbacks, they're not even worthy to talk about in light of the glory that God has plans to reveal in us. So our setbacks can be the means to God working out something greater in us that we never imagined. I don't know if you could tell a story about your, your life in some way where you know, it looked like a credible setback in your life, and, and yet somehow God used that to his glory. <laughs> Redirected your life in such a way what you thought was just total ashes and a life destroyed in so many respects, and yet, and yet God has greater plans. God is redirecting us. God's sending us in a new direction. And if we will just be compliant with him and patient with him, he begins to reveal that step by step. We'll see what God is working in us. Number two, our submission to whatever may lie in the path that God has for us is key to getting through that stage and ready for the next said many times today, pain does not necessarily mean that we're out of the will of God. And it certainly does not mean that God has stopped loving us. Setbacks are hidden from us. They're surprises. Staying true to God and keeping our integrity and trusting him when we do not understand our keys to submitting to the path that God uses to teach us to trust him. That was the testimony of Job. Read the book of Job, probably the oldest written book of all of scripture where Job suffered the loss of everything, family, possession, status, everything was robbed from him. And eventually even his own body was touched with suffering. And he did not understand. As you read through those chapters of Job, he's really asking the question, why is God doing this to me? I don't know, because I didn't do anything wrong. In other words, his language is, I'm in the will of God. And everybody around him said, no, you're not, Job. You must have done something wrong. God doesn't do this to people that are in his will. He doesn't cause people to suffer who are doing things right. There must be sin in your life. And Job says, even though he slays me, I will trust in him. We know that Job was exonerated and his setback became means to God working glory in his life. It's hard. But just the presence of pain and the presence of Difficulty in our life does not mean that God is leaving us or has left us or forgotten us in some way. Psalm 23 is perhaps one of the most beloved psalms in the entire collection of psalms in the Old Testament. Uh, we love the, the way that it speaks to us. And, and verse 4, I think, is key in that. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Does that look like a setback? Does that look like a difficult time? the valley of the shadow of death. He says, I, even at times like that, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. You know, God doesn't take the detour when it comes to the valley of the shadow of death. It's not like he's saying, okay, all right, there you go. I'm going to meet you over there and you'll get through this. God goes with those valleys of the shadow of death, whatever that represents in our life. He is still with us. He hasn't left us. He hasn't abandoned us. He isn't afraid. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And this is, that's what trusting God looks like. It's trusting God through the difficult times of our lives. And really, as wonderful as the story of Christmas is, it's really 
we're just seeing the beginning of that. And, and Jesus, as he navigates every setback, always and continually in the will of God. It's a pattern for us. Whatever setback you're experiencing in your life, it's not a time to turn your faith away from God. It's a time to just continue to believe God is with me. God is with me. God is with me. That's what trust in God looks like. Humility is tough to accept, but it is the key to God releasing us to move forward. Proverbs 13, 12, I think, is what we wrestle with. Solomon writes here in Proverbs 13, 12, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. You ever had hope deferred in your life? <laughs> hope that, you know, things you were counting on, things you thought were going to happen, and, and sometimes just cruelly taken away. That's what we have to deal with. Sometimes our heart is sick and it's hard to see the goodness of God. But here's the promise in Galatians 6.9. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So just as Jesus grew and became a man and began to minister among us, experiencing some wonderful things, can you imagine the thrill of opening blind eyes? <laughs> can you imagine... Feeding 5,000 people with bread and fish. But also, can you imagine being beaten and nailed to a cross? For both situations, will of God, will of God. We just need to trust Him, whatever we're going through. I'm going to ask our worship team to come and be ready to close our service with a song. And, but I want to give you the opportunity today as we bow our heads, and would you just take that posture right now as we just kind of contemplate. Maybe maybe you're experiencing really, really good days and holidays are, are some of the best days of our lives and, uh, and that's wonderful and enjoy it and celebrate it and uh, don't let anything I have to say sully that in any way. But perhaps there are those here today, it's a setback for you and you just think, why? Why? God, are you there? Are you aware of this situation? Lord, we're in pain or we're in difficulty. We're in trouble in some way. Let me encourage you today. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And to trust Him in this. And to allow Him to minister to you in ways that maybe when times are good, we don't have time for. Notice how difficulty always frees up time to pray. Things are good and things are happy and things are rolling. Yeah, we'd like to pray more, but hey, you know, I don't have time. The pain or sorrow or difficulty, it frees up time in our life. We, time, we find time to pray. So use this time. Get in touch with God. Say, God, I believe I'm in your will. Don't let Satan throw doubts in your heart, your mind. God doesn't love you. God's forgotten about you. God's not going to help you. Just resist all of that. And allow God to just minister to you today. Would you bow your heads as we pray? Jesus, I pray today, Lord, for all those who experience setbacks. Lord, none of that is pleasant our sensitivities and preferences. But Lord, whatever it is we're experiencing, we take heart in this. Is it, it's not a sign 
that we have made you mad at us. It's not a sign that you have stopped loving us. And Lord, in the midst of our darkness or pain or sorrow, you are still with us. You haven't left us. And Lord, we take heart in that today. And I pray for everyone who's experiencing setback. Lord, let us remember it's a strategic setback. You're using this for your good. And all of these things that we suffer are not even to be compared with what you're preparing for us. Lord, at the end of the story. And Lord, as we see you as a baby in Bethlehem, helpless, vulnerable, Father carried you right through all of that. And even in the depths of the greatest suffering known to man, you didn't waver. You stayed the course. You continued. And now God, the Father, has highly exalted you and given you a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess to the glory of God. Father, we want to follow your pattern. We want to follow Jesus. Right through every setback, Lord, that someday we will share in your glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.